Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to True Devotion to Mary on member-supported Restoration Radio. I am your host, Alexander Krasik, and I am joined by our guest, Father Herman Fleece, professor at Most Holy Trinity Seminary in Brooksville, Florida. Welcome to the show, Father. Thank you, thank you. In this episode, we will continue our study of the book True Devotion to Mary by St. Louis de Montfort. We will start our episode today by resuming where we left off in Part 2, Chapter 2, entitled Motives of This Perfect Devotion. And, Father, we are now on the seventh motive, that is, that it procures great blessings for our neighbor. Yes, and uh, this one is important because it's obviously connected with uh, charity. We tend to be too self-centered in the spiritual life, and uh, this is, uh, the saint speaks about the importance of, essentially, the salvation of souls. He speaks about releasing someone from purgatory or converting a sinner, and he essentially says that that's the greatest work, essentially, we can do in this life, and obviously it is so. And uh, so that's the highest thing we can do to save souls. And he says this devotion is the most effective way to essentially effectively do that and you know, free many souls from purgatory and convert many sinners. And uh, uh, essentially what he says is because we do it through Our Lady, it has more value before God, and therefore we will be more effective in that, in that end. So I think that's in a nutshell what he, what he says, which is, uh, I think it's a, very, it's a very good point. It's a great thing to be able just to be helping the poor souls in purgatory by just doing little things here and there and having a lady to take care yeah. of the forest. Yes, absolutely, yes. And uh, yes, it, it really gives a lot of encouragement, this devotion, because again, it's, what we do is very little, obviously, certainly compared with the saints and whatnot, but we do it through Our Lady, so Our Lord is pleased and uh, it, has, it has value in saving souls, so that's, that's really encouraging. Our eighth and final motive is that it is an admirable means of perseverance. As St. John the Damascene said, Having confidence in you, O Mother of God, I shall be saved. Being under your protection, I shall fear nothing. With your help, I shall give battle to my enemies and put them to flight. For devotion to you is an arm of salvation which God gives to those whom it is his will to save. Yes, it's an excellent uh, quotation, very famous one of uh, St. John Damascene. And, um, yes, uh, the saint essentially says that this devotion is very, very effective. And um, in general, devotion to Our Lady is morally necessary really to, to persevere, but in this particular way of his devotion, that is the, the true devotion and so forth, he says is a particularly effective way to persevere, essentially in the state of grace against all the temptations of the devil and falling into sin, etc., etc., and then obviously, ultimately, final perseverance, that is to die in the state of grace and save one soul, uh, which is even a greater grace. And uh, so he shows very well the connection and essentially he quotes from the, the fathers and the doctors different uh, proofs of this truth. And you gave that one, which is uh, one of the best. Uh, but uh, I think it's important to recall that truth. And really, um, this should also encourage us to foster devotion to Our Lady because it is very true. And it also says the same that essentially, if one can secure devotion to Our Lady, even if we are not saints and, and whatnot, but if we can secure a true devotion to Our Lady, then we will be certain of saving our souls. 
And uh, if we don't, then it's uh, much to be feared that we won't. So obviously, the salvation of the soul is the most important affair. So that, that alone should be enough to move someone to essentially cultivate devotion to Our Lady, because you can put, put simply as well, I have to save my soul at any cost. Therefore, if I know that devotion to Our Lady is the best way to secure that from God, then I will do it, even if it's only on that title. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's, uh, it is important and, uh, so that, yes, that should move us. And then I think the saint speaks in several parts of his works that we have to be constant precisely because of that, that is, we have to persevere in the devotion. Uh, but again, if we see the value and we are determined by the grace of God, we can, we can foster it and cherish it so that we may ensure our salvation. So moving on to our next section, St. Louis turns our attention to sacred scripture and shows us how this devotion is prefigured in the story of Rebecca and Jacob, which I believe is found in Genesis chapter 27. So first, could you tell us a bit about this event of the Old Testament, Father? Yes. Um, if you don't mind, I will read the, um, the story as uh, summarized, I suppose, by the saint in the book itself. I think I won't say it better than him, and he makes all the essential points. So I will read uh, from the book. Esau, having sold Jacob his... Uh, by the way, this is just a summary of, of the event in Genesis. Esau, having sold Jacob his birthright, Rebecca, the mother of the two brothers, who loved Jacob tenderly, secured this advantage to him many years afterwards by an address most holy, but most full of mystery. Isaac, feeling himself very old and wishing to bless his children before he died, called his son Esau, who was his favorite, and commanded him to go out hunting to get something to eat, in order that he might bless him afterwards. Rebekah promptly informed Jacob of what had, had passed and ordered him to go and take two kids from the flock. When he had given them to his mother, she prepared for Isaac what she knew he liked. She clothed Jacob in the garments of Esau, which he kept and covered his hands and his neck with the skin of the kids, so that his father, who was blind, might in hearing Jacob's voice, think at least by the skin of his hands that it was Esau, his brother. Isaac, having been surprised by the voice, which he thought was Jacob's voice, made him come near. Having touched the skins with which his hands were covered, he said that the voice truly was a voice of Jacob, but that the hands were the hands of Esau. After he had eaten and, and in kissing Jacob, he smelled the odor of his perfumed uh, garments. He blessed him and wished for him the dew of heaven and the fruitfulness of earth. He made him lord over all his brethren and finished his blessing with these words, Cursed be he that curses thee, and let him that blesseth thee be filled with blessings. Isaac had hardly finished these words when Esau entered, and brought with him what he had captured while out hunting, in order that his father might eat it and then bless him. The holy patriarch was surprised with an incredible astonishment when he understood what had happened. For, but far from retracting what he had done, on the contrary, he confirmed it, for he saw too plainly that the finger of God was in the matter. Esau then uttered great cries, as the holy scripture remarks, and loudly accusing the deceitfulness of his brother, 
he asks his father if he had but one benediction. Being in this point, as the Holy Fathers remark, the image of those who are too glad to ally God with the world and are fain to enjoy the consolations of heaven and the consolations of earth both together. At last, Isaac, touched with the Christ of Esau, blessed him, but with a blessing of the earth, subjecting him to his brother. This made him conceive such an envenomed hatred to Jacob that he waited only for his father's death in order to kill him. Neither would Jacob have escaped death if his dear mother, Rebekah, had not saved him from it by her industries and by the good counsels which she gave him and which he followed. So, so far the words of the saints, but again, I think the, <laughs> he, he makes it in the best way, like a summary. And uh, so that's the story um, as we found in the, in the book. So before going into an explanation of this story, we should probably point out, as St. Louis does, that, quote, according to the Holy Fathers and interpreters of Scripture, Jacob is the figure of Jesus Christ and the predestinate, and Ezra, that of the reprobate. So why don't we start with Ezra? How is he the figure of the reprobate? Well, uh, the saints gives uh, some points. He gives actually five. So the first is, so how he has it is he first points some qualities or attitudes of Esau, and then he applies it to spiritually to the reprobate. So uh, he says the points um, or the qualities of Esau were he was strong and robust of body and skillful in drawing the bow and in uh, getting much in his um, hunting. Then the second one is that he uh, rarely stayed at home and he put all his confidence in his own strength and his own skill and he worked uh, only outside. The third is that he took very little pains, took no effort to please his mother, Rebecca. The fourth is that he was a glutton, and uh, so much so that he sold his birthright for uh, a piece of food, a mess of pottage. And then the fifth and last is that, uh, just like Cain, he was filled with envy against Jacob and persecuted him. So that's Esau himself, and then he the saint sort of an analogy with the reprobate, and he says, as to the first point, the reprobate trust in their own strength and aptitude for temporal affairs. Uh, he says they are strong, able, and skilled, and very enlightened in uh, earthly matters and business, but very weak and ignorant in heavenly things. And then as to the second point, he says that the reprobate are very little at home, that is spiritually in their own interior, uh, that is they don't uh, practice recollection or prayer in silence, etc., but uh, give themselves all out to external activities. So they don't uh, cultivate uh, spirituality and retirement and, and so forth, and they essentially despise those who do. So we can see this in essentially naturalism, which is true, there is uh, doing, 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 and hammering uh, all external and activities, but no time for prayer, and that's the most important thing by which we essentially work out our salvation. Uh, so it's a very good point. And then number three, he says, this one was the one of uh, Esau uh, essentially not caring for pleasing um, his mother. So here spiritually will be that the reprobate 
have very little devotion to Our Lady, maybe just a nominal one in some cases, like they will praise her, yes, she's a mother of God and whatnot. But they, he says, the saint says, they cannot bear that we should love her tenderly because they have not the tenderness of Jacob for her. So he says that, um, you see, the love of Our Lady that will be a sign of predestination, one of the contextual signs will be a, you might say, a tender love, he says, a true love and not merely lip service, that, that wouldn't be really enough. Um, and number four, uh, the one of the setting the birthright, uh, this one is, is interesting, very nice figure. He says that spiritually the birthright is the pleasures of paradise, that is the, you might say, heavenly inheritance. And uh, so the reprobate essentially sell or exchange essentially paradise or the pleasures of it for the pleasures of earth, typically sensual pleasures, but it can be also uh, worldly glory and pride and whatever. But anyway, they give up the heavenly things, the heavenly inheritance for pleasures of the moment. So that's a comparison with Esau who just to eat the, the lentils gave up his inheritance. So that's a very interesting insight. And um, so there he shows obviously the same, the vanity of this, because for essentially a moment of enjoyment or, you know, a little honor, worthy honor in this life, then we give up the heavenly treasures, which are eternal. So it's really, really foolish, just like in the case of Esau. And then the fifth one, uh, well, that one uh, was the one about persecution. And then he says, well, the reprobate uh, hate and persecute the predestinate uh, either openly or secretly, and they essentially are made uncomfortable by the, the predestinate and despise them, etc. And here essentially means that if you have the, the true um, contextual science of predestination, etc., then your whole, must say, spirit will be different. If somebody is, has the spirit of the world, it's impossible that you will truly you know, be congenial. You might be barely tolerate, they might tolerate one, but they have different spirits, so there cannot be a true uh, closeness. And that's more or less what he points out. So they say they are persecuted maybe secretly, but they essentially cannot stand them. And, and that is seen essentially, for example, we spoke about prayer. If somebody prays, etc., wants to essentially fear, he fears God, etc., he becomes hateful to the worldly because, hey, what are you doing? You know, we have to I had many things to do, and we are losing time, you know, and this, I think he alludes kind of to, to that. And uh, so those are the comparisons that he makes. It's interesting when it sounds so ridiculous that he gave up his birthright for just a little meal. But when you think about it, I mean, any sin that you commit, I mean, it's just, it, it's just as ridiculous. You know, there's, there's, it's, it's really just as ridiculous as that. Yes. Giving up heaven for... Maybe the opinion of a man or something in pride. Yes, yeah, I think that's a good, yes, a very good insight. In fact, I will say it's even, in itself, it's even uh, more, more uh, uh, foolish because there is a greater difference. There is like an abyss in the, if we lose merits, etc., we lose eternal and supernatural things. And then there are things are things of, of you know, natural things or of this world. So there is more difference that actually food and uh, the inheritance of Jacob, which was essentially, uh, it was great and incomparable, but it was still of the of a natural goods. But obviously, it's more like yes, as you point out, like the 
the meaning of it, like the spiritual application is really what comes from me. I agree with you fully. Um, but an important point there is that the, because of weakness and whatnot, even the, the predestined, the one who have the signs and all the good signs we, we will speak about, they will still unfortunately sin, right? There is weakness and all that, but the key aspect is more the, like the true outlook. Because out of weakness, in a moment of passion, you might sin and whatnot, but how your mind is framed is that you are looking for eternal goods. You want to save your soul. And then, yes, you might go up, you might make a bad step here and there. Mm -hmm. But you see the worldlings, etc., they are set to worldly things. Mm -hmm. And then every, maybe a couple of times a year, okay, well, I have to now make, you know, I have to go to church or something, kind of force, and then I, uh, but they forget right away. So I think that's, that's important. Turning our attention to Jacob now, how do we see the predestinate prefigured in him? Well, he follows the same, essentially, method. So he will see first uh, four or five, five also, points of Jacob himself. So he was of evil constitution, meek and peaceful. That is, he was not like warlike or kind of, that's the idea. And then he lived mainly at home and uh, he wanted to uh, gain the good graces of his mother, Rebecca. Uh, whom he loved tenderly, and also he sometimes, yes, he went abroad, but it was not of his own will, and then um, it was to obey his mother, and then without trusting himself. Then the number two is that he loved and honored his mother. This is one of the reasons why he kept home, and then he tried to avoid what displeased her, and uh, tried to please her, simply. And uh, so this, in turn, increased the love of uh, Rebecca for him, so number two, essentially love for each other. And then the third is essentially obedience. He was obedient to her. And the fourth is that he had great confidence in Rebecca. And then this one is, is interesting. I will just pull this uh, phrase. He says, uh, as he did not lean in the least on his own ability, he leaned or leaned exclusively on the care and protection of his mother. We're going to see the spiritual application uh, soon. Um, so he appealed to her in necessity, as we see from the story. And then the, the fifth and last is that he imitated her as much as he could. That is a virtue of Rebecca. So now if we apply that to spiritually to the predestinate, we see the analogy. Number one is that they are uh, sedentary or homekeepers uh, with their mother. That is spiritually they love Retirement and then interior, uh, to be interior, that is prayer and, and recollection. Uh, so they devote time to prayer and they pray especially in company with Our Lady, that is spiritually. And uh, they imit imitate Our Lady, who also obviously lived a life of retirement. And then just like Our Lady did, as we know in the visitation, for example, in the Gospel, sometimes they have to go out for, for example, a duty of charity or like in the case of Our Lady, when she visited St. Elizabeth. But even then, it will be not because of a liking for outward things, but because it's the holy will of God. And then, uh, then they will do it uh, with the blessing of God and of Our Lady. And then he says, a um, um, phrase that I will remark, that I will, will read, he says, For it is within that they accomplish the great work of their perfection, compared with which all their other works are but infant sports. That is uh, very interesting. They put the, they see by the light of grace, essentially, that the most important affair in life is indeed the, 
to save oneself and perfection and, and all the rest. And the rest is secondary. So therefore, they give the priority to that. And then, yes, if they had to do externals, uh, they will, certainly, but uh, as a secondary and less important thing. And uh, so he says in that they also imitate um, our Lord and our Lady. Um, and uh, uh, because the main, the main um, value that we may have is, is interior, that is the riches of, of grace and, and, and all the rest. In Article 2, St. Louis really ties this story in with the true devotion he's teaching us and shows us what Our Lady does for those who are consecrated to her and how her role is prefigured in Rebecca. And the first of these is that she loves them with an active and effective love, always looking to obtain for us blessings and to aid us in our struggle here below. Yes, and then, yes, now we're going to see like the Rebecca being the type of Our Lady, so what she has in she does on, uh, for us. And then, yes, so the love of Our Lady, as he points out, is, uh, is a love that is um, effective, that is, she, she obtains for us um, goods, essentially, so it's not just a, a mere, I must say, theoretical appreciation, but she, just like with Rebecca, she obtains goods uh, for us because she, she loves us. And I think, yes, he refers to that as an effective um, love. And then uh, he points out also the, um, essentially, the watchfulness of Our Lady, you might say, just like with Rebecca, that she's seeing always the occasion to do us some good and obtain us some grace or even for bodily things, some uh, defense or protection and, and whatnot. So essentially the analogy there will be that just Rebecca was trying to do good to Jacob because uh, she loved uh, him. So Our Lady does in heaven. I think that's kind of the analogy there. And the second charitable duty, which our Blessed Lady fulfills towards her faithful servants, says St. Louis, is that she furnishes them with everything, both for their body and for their soul. Yes, and we spoke a little of that already, but um, yes, here it will be, well, as to the... The soul is more obvious. Our Lady obtains for us all graces that we receive from God, which is like the channel. So all graces come from God and then through Our Lady. So that's uh, very clear and obvious. And then, so the graces of spiritual life we receive through her. And then, but we should remember also that regarding, uh, you might say, uh, bodily protection or favors, also Our Lady obtains uh, those, obviously, in as much as they help us, or at least are not an obstacle for our spiritual um, advancement. But that's also something to remember, that is that if one follows this consecration to Our Lady, etc., then Our Lady has a special care also for our bodies, that is, she might uh, avert a danger for us, like an accident or, the, or illness or something, and that uh, is very true. We probably will know only in heaven, as we, as we hope firmly to, to be one day in heaven, but um, we don't see it, but Our Lady does, does protect us also as far as our bodies. And then also the material things that we know, that God knows we know because we're not angels. So sometimes uh, it will be, um, we might actually need this particular temporal uh, means to, let's say, to make it to Mass or to be able to you know, rent a house or to be close to Mass and all, all of those things. So Our Lady, in those cases, which is connected to the spiritual good, 
she uh, obtains many of those, uh, you might say, temporal or bodily uh, favors, which again, they are bodily, but they are ordained to our spiritual good. But uh, um, so I think there's a bit of that um, implied here. Thirdly, Our Lady conducts and directs them according to the will of her divine Son. Yes, and this one obviously is um, very important. Uh, so as we spoke some other times, the, the goal of the spiritual life, uh, one of the main goals is to conform to the holy will of God. So by this devotion, we give ourselves to Our Lady, and then Our Lady helps us essentially to conform every time better to God's holy will. And um, she essentially guides us in that. So again, sometimes it can be a little, um, it might take some insight to essentially detect or to you know, learn and, and see the will of God. But Our Lady, uh, if we are faithful in this practice, Our Lady essentially guides us, so to speak, by the hand to do that holy will, the holy will of Christ, which is the end. So obviously this one cannot be emphasized Enough, and then here the comparison with uh, Rebecca, the analogy will be, uh, as I think, the, essentially the prudence, and also how Rebecca knew essentially uh, better than anyone in the house in, in, in the Old Testament story the will of Jacob, who represented the God the Father in the in the spiritual sense or the, in the symbolical sense. So Rebecca knew what is the holy will, what was what was the will of Jacob, and then. In the spiritual sense, Our Lady knows the will of the Father and of, also of her Divine Son, and she acts as it were of intermediary. She helps us fulfill that will that may be slightly more obscure for us. There was, just thinking back to the, the bulletin, there was a quote on just how important it is to follow the will of God. And that's, I think it alluded to our perfection consists in how much we conform to our Lord's will. So that's... That's yes. a big one. Yes, yes, it's extremely important, yes. The fourth office rendered by Our Lady is to defend and protect them from their enemies. Good, and then, yes, this one is uh, also a very interesting one. And then, well, here the in the comparison with the story uh, of Jacob will be how Rebecca protected him from all harms. Essentially, uh, Esau wanted to kill him, essentially, because of hatred, and Rebecca essentially saved his life. So in the spiritual order and Our Lady will be that Our Lady protects us from our spiritual enemies, uh, the devil and then the demons, and then the world. And then uh, again, as we spoke a little before, also uh, bodily harms, uh, but obviously the most important good and the greatest dangers are the ones that are spiritual. And Our Lady protects us uh, from those, just like Re as, as Rebecca protected uh, uh, Jacob. And then that uh, is a very clear truth. And everybody knows that uh, Our Lady is, uh, after God, is our greatest pro protection against uh, the devil and, and our spiritual enemies. And lastly, the fifth and greatest good which Mary procures for her faithful clients, says St. Louis, is to intercede for them with her son, to appease him by her prayers, to unite them to him in a most intimate union, and to keep them unshaken in that union. Yes, this one is, uh, he puts last, uh, rightly so, because essentially he goes all the way to, you might say, perfection, because he says, well, she intercedes, and then uh, that's clear enough, and then uh, she says that she unites us to him, 
in a most intimate union, and then she keeps us and shaking in that union. So he's aiming, now he's speaking about essentially, you might say, the perfection of the spiritual life, which is union with our Lord. Uh, there are all sorts of gradations, but that's, um, that's the goal, essentially. And uh, he says, well, if, you, if one follows his devotion, our lady will not only do all those, you might say, more negative things like removing dangers and so that we don't fall, etc. But more positively, she will join us closely to our Lord, which is really the, the goal, you might say, of the spiritual life. And we want to remove the obstacles so that we are able to, to be joined to our Lord. So I think he, he is pointing to that. And then, again, this is also very important because the end is always the, the most important thing. And um, she also secures that uh, that union and that union is again is like the you might say the the perfection or the the highest goal of the spiritual life we had to make many fights but the goal is i wish to be united closely to our lord in this life and our lady obtains that union for us well that brings us to the end of our episode is there anything else you would like to add in summary before we close out uh well i mean i think it was clear uh, today, as usual, the simplicity of, of uh, the sense method and then how the, what Our Lady does is to make the spiritual life essentially easier, you might say, and more effective. That is, the goals are always the same, they cannot be otherwise, but we can see that through Our Lady we can essentially secure and obtain those sense uh, better. Well, Father, thank you for your time, and we will talk to you again next time as we continue this series. God bless you. May God bless you. Thank you.